0: Well, good morning. It is 9.02. You are listening to Public Radio, KBBI, AM 890, Homer. I'm Jay Barrett. It is time for the regular Thursday COVID Brief. And on the line, I've got Peggy Erkineff, Lauren Carroll, and Dorotha Ferraro joining us uh, this morning. Uh, good morning to all of you. Uh, it's uh, This is the first COVID Brief that we started where it's daylight outside this winter. So I'm very happy about that. It was my ha- favorite time of the year. Things get uh, clearer, Uh, Peggy. We've got you here. Uh, I know you usually have meetings. Maybe we can uh, ask you to uh, give us uh, give us a a report from the perspective of the school district, please.
1: I'd be happy to. So it's February. We are happy about that um, because although our numbers are still up as we entered into February, they're down. So we are seeing some downtrending of positive COVID cases in schools. However, we still do have 13 schools that are operating with universal masking at this time. And most of those were just extended for an additional two weeks in the last couple of days. Um, Some schools did eliminate the universal masking because their positive cases were down and or not happening in those schools. So school operations are continuing. We're dealing a little bit with weather these days and continuing to juggle staffing around um, keeping buses running, food being served, and we're in February. So we're really happy to see those numbers coming down a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about um, uh, masking at uh, athletic and uh, other activity uh, events uh, for for people in the stands? I had uh, someone, uh, they went to a ball game here recently and were uh, uh, distressed a little bit that more people weren't masked up in the stands. Uh, what's the policy on that?
1: So it's optional um, and highly encouraged most of the time. You know, that's, that's how most schools are operating. Um, also to add that we do have building use agreements with other outside groups that use our schools for their events and their mitigation plans um, are chosen by them. So the school district isn't, putting a mitigation plan on top of what an outside group using our school facilities would be. And again, it, I think, you know, I, we all know that there's people that want to choose to wear a face covering and people that don't. So that's where we are in our communities. And I know some people would feel safer if more people wore face coverings and other people don't want to. So we've been navigating that tension for um, a couple of years now.
0: It's uh, it, it, I'm sure it's not getting any easier to try to uh, accommodate, uh, you know, people who are doing everything right, uh, you know, being polite and uh, thoughtful to others when uh, the vast majority of them are doing that. When, you know, there's a few people who uh, are able to muck up the system um, just by their, their selfish choices sometimes uh, can't be easy.
1: Yeah, I think what I would say to that is what I see is we all need to slow down and be really kind to each other right now. Everybody is pretty maxed. We're all burnt out on the pandemic, and we need a lot of kindness between each other. And just take that extra pause before reacting.
0: That's always good advice. Yeah. Uh, Dorotha, uh, how are things looking up here at uh, South? Peninsula Hospital in the last week?
2: Well, very similar to what Peggy reported as far as um, most of our numbers are flat or trending downwards. Uh, For the week ending February 1, we had 12 ER visits um, related to COVID, and that's the same number as the week prior to that. Um, We had four new hospital admissions um, with COVID, and that is higher um, compared to the prior week, which was two. But pretty much at any given day over the last week, we had only one or two um, hospitalized patients with COVID. As far as testing goes, we collected 840 test swabs, And that is definitely down over the last week. Um, the Prior week, we did 1140. Now, some of that is a um, slowing of demand, but some of that is also because um, the state of Alaska invited Capstone to set up a pop-up testing clinic at um, public health, which we were very, very thankful for. We had some equipment um, issues over the last 10 days. We had staff staffing um, shortages over the last 10 days. So that, that just was a perfect um, partnership of bringing that extra capacity and thank you. And our positivity rate, so we did 840 tests, 109 tested positive. So that puts us at about a um, 13% positivity rate. So another number that's trending downwards. Um, last week we were at 19. So that one's heading down. We did three outpatient monoclonal antibody infusions. And um, that also is down. So um, yeah, Looks like things are flat and coasting downwards as far as numbers. <clears throat> wow, I'm um, surprised.
0: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I was just going to keep going down the list here. Um, mm-hmm. Just um, another um, indicator is um, number of vaccines that we gave at the test and vaccine clinic last week. We two weeks ago we gave 91. This past week we gave 62. So looks like things are um, easing up a touch, um, if you will. If, if those numbers are ease, I guess they're ease compared to the prior week. So that's, that's right. all we can to go on.
0: True. True. Uh, what can we draw from, from, uh, these numbers, Lord, maybe, uh, uh, you might have some, uh, mathematical, uh, skills here, uh, with the, uh, I, I'm especially surprised that the monoclonal antibody treatments, uh, were down as well. I, I think I would have thought that they were going to be up, uh, you know, just based on what I'm seeing elsewhere uh, around around the state and around the country. Lauren, do you have thoughts?
3: Oh, yeah. Sure thing, Jay. Thanks. You know, in regards to medications or treatment, you know, I'm not certain it could be uh, in part due to the fact that, you know, recommendations on medications for treatment for COVID-19 are shifting And so what I mean by that is some previously recommended treatments are no longer considered effective against the Omicron, the COVID-19 variant. Uh, So that accounts now for more than 99% of all cases in the U.S. And and that's uh, similar here uh, in Alaska, too. Excuse me. So I guess I would say if you want to read up more about, you know, some folks like to read up about that, the most recent updates regarding um, treatments for medications for covid you could look up National Institutes of Health for the most up-to-date info. But in regards to cases, um, I think there's a story to be told there, too. In, in the United States, um, we're seeing a downturn, and the U.K. is also seeing a downturn. So that's good signs that we might be inching through, step-by-step, step, through this fourth wave of Omicron. Um, and if we glance at South Africa, they're continuing to experience low numbers because they've passed the Omicron. A wave. But um, in terms of Alaska, uh, the number of total cases in the U.S. is down about 50 percent compared to two weeks ago. In Alaska, we're starting to see a very small uh, downturn, down 7 percent in regards to newly reported cases um, as compared to two weeks ago. Now, that doesn't include at-home testing, and we know there's
0: a lot of that going on right now as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I was, oh, Dorothea, go ahead.
2: Um, I also wanted to follow up on the, the, the maybe, the possibly why, is um, for the monoclonal antibody infusions being um, lower, is that now there are more of the... Um, the prescription medicine, the oral antiviral medicines that are available in Alaska. And so it's possible that that's one of the reasons that, that um, the infusion number is slightly lower is because more of um, more of that treatment is being utilized.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think I asked you, uh, somebody had uh, mentioned to me that their uh, Vaxxed uh, uh, partner... Uh, was uh, was turned down because you know, there weren't enough. But so people who are vaxxed can get a monoclonal antibody now? There's there's room for them?
2: So the guidelines, um, the recommendations on administering those is the, it's kind of with these tiers. It has different tiers. And there's kind of tier one and then within one, it's working out kind of ABC and then tier two. We're still up in the tier one and that tier one, um, I will pull up the actual um, definition or um, eligibility group for that. Um, But just remind folks that that changes a lot based on availability. So we're following recommendations that get passed down through the state to us. We do have product. Um, we, we do have the Citromab, um available and in-house, and it um, is being um, offered based on the, those eligibility. So I'll have to pull them up. I, I don't want to go from memory.
0: Oh, sure. Sure. No problem. Uh, I want to give out the phone number uh, 907-235-7721 if you have uh, any questions for our panel. Uh, they are always happy to uh, at least tackle the question. And uh, give you the best answer that they've got. 235-7721. Uh I got the, as we all do, got the uh, COVID data summary uh yesterday from the uh state. Uh uh it was for reporting data for January 31st and February 1st. That's Monday and Tuesday this week. There were uh, 4147 new cases uh and eight deaths. Uh at it, it, uh it was kind of hard, it's always hard to read about, uh, you know, our elders dying off here, uh, you know, the 60, 70, 80, and 90-year-olds that you see in the uh, death uh, statistics regularly. But uh, in this report, there were two infants in the Anchorage of Matsu region, region uh, under 12 months. So I, I imagine they were... Uh, uh, well, they were infants. That's what it says here. Infants uh, in the Anchorage-Matsu region. Uh, along with three 40-year-olds uh, in Anchorage, two women and one man. Uh, two Soldotna residents, a man in the 70s and a woman in her 60s, and a man in his 60s up in Wasilla. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lauren, uh, have we had uh, child uh, Deaths before this seems like it's uh, new and uh, entirely unwelcome. You
3: know, I'm not certain before we joined the call uh, this morning. I was trying to look that up, uh, but I couldn't get my fingers on that data, Jay. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, amongst the tragedies and just want to say our thoughts are with um,
0: their families and loved ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh Lauren, how are uh, how is the state doing uh, in regards to um, picking up the rate of vaccinations? Are we seeing uh, any kind of movement in the in the rate of people getting um, getting a shot?
3: Oh, I guess I would say steady as she goes, uh, and that's evident evidenced by uh, you know if you drive up Bartlett for any reason and look to the left, a, a certain portion of those are are going to the swab site or the vaccination site in order to get vaccines, and then behind closed doors all throughout southern Kenai Peninsula, there are six medical homes that are giving COVID vaccines right now, so we're inching up in regards to the entire state of Alaska, about 62% of folks are that are ages five and older have completed that primary series, uh, so they're up to date on COVID vaccines. Um, but only a quarter of, of Alaskans that are five and older have received, uh, a booster. Um, so we have a ways to go there.
0: Wait, I'm sorry, a booster or an initial course?
3: Oh, sorry, Jay, a booster. So the, uh, oh, okay. completed the primary series, but then was also boosted only about a quarter of Alaskans five, ages, five years of age and older.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, I see that uh, the Kenai Peninsula as a whole, they don't break it out uh, to north and south here, uh, we're up to 48.5%. Of course, that dropped down to about 43 or 4 or 5 or so when they uh, opened up the vaccinations for folks uh, uh, between 5 and 11. Uh, and it's it's gone back up now. We had almost hit 50% um, vaccination. Uh
3: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Southern Kenai Peninsula numbers are just a tad better. We're at uh, 55% fully vaccinated. And then when looking at, say, Homer Proper, Homer Proper is 71% fully vaccinated um, compared to Anchor Point at 47%. And Kenai Peninsula Borough, other south, at uh, about 23% fully vaccinated.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
2: You guys, while we're on um, vaccines, I, I, you may have um, seen in the news that the Moderna um, vaccine, COVID vaccine was fully approved by FDA. Um, so now both Pfizer, Pfizer for 16 years of age and older and Moderna for 18 years of age and older are fully approved by FDA as um, an approved vaccine.
0: Oh, okay, and, and that was a holdup for some people, uh, you know. Just to, uh, well, this is experimental, and we want to wait and see. So that's good news for them, uh, you know. I also saw just briefly. I think I just saw the headline that um, uh, they there soon may be vaccine for uh, infants and toddlers, those under five. Um, have you heard anything about that?
2: Um, pretty much the same that you saw that they did put their um, studies, the results of their studies and um, information, they put that forth to the FDA. And now it goes through that same series of um, reviews and approvals that the other um, emergency use authorizations went through. So it will possibly be a few weeks till we um, hear about that.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Lauren, I recall uh, in the fall, probably, um, I don't know, Right after things started going up again after August, uh, end of August, there, uh, asking you, and I think we asked you last year as well, or the year before as well, uh, what do you thought the winter was going to look like, uh, infection wise, uh, COVID wise? Uh, how is things? How have things turned out? Um, you know, locally, statewide, from your perspective.
3: Oh, I guess I would say that that's really hard to answer, especially when looking uh, months into the future. So months into the future, we could see uh, other variants of concern pop up, and there's a very uh, large chance for that um, because there's so many cases. If we step back and look at the map, the entire state of Alaska is in red alert. Uh, That means there's a lot of COVID being passed around, and uh, right now it's very important to – Mask up, keep a distance, and really uh, sign up and use other mitigation factors. And that helps you and other folks uh, stay out of the hospital, uh, stay in school, and stay in work. Uh, But if we're also to look at the graph, you know, a daily count of cases that are averaged over seven days, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, we really had a peak a couple weeks ago in the state of Alaska, and we have what appears to be a downturn in the total number of reported cases. Um, on average. Uh, so that's that's good news. Um, and that's reflecting the activity that we're seeing throughout the U.S. as well, and that reflects the U.K. So we get kind of the trend there is some promising uh, news that it looks like we're having a downturn in
0: cases, and, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We have a uh, caller uh, on line one. Hi, you're on the air.
1: Uh, yes, I was wondering, has the
3: Kenai Borough or Homer... Uh, through the hospitals,
1: uh, decided to put together any kind of plan for home uh, visitations so that people who are shut-ins or who are trapped because of the winter
3: weather uh, can get their shots and their boosters.
0: oh, that's a good question. Uh, what are we doing for folks who who can't get uh, out and about uh, Dorotha? You look like you're ready to answer.
2: Well, I appreciate that question because that's really, really important, um, not only in a community like ours that has high number of um, senior age folks, but also with the weather and the terrain that we deal with. So between public health and our home health team, um, we can make sure that somebody who needs a vaccine that can't get to the vaccine clinic, we'll make sure that that happens. The hospital public health nurses are really great about um, ensuring folks um, get that. Another piece of good um, news is that part of the, um, that's called a healthy communities grant that um, we use to run a little bit or to operate a little bit of the vaccine clinic on Bartlett Street, a little bit of that is for transportation. And so if there is if there's anybody out there listening that wants a vaccine or wants to come get tested, but they have a a transportation barrier, just call 2350235 and we'll give you instructions on how to go ahead and call a cab and that cab will bring you to the um, clinic and we'll we'll cover their. We have, um, we, we have funds that were allocated to help us reach folks that are difficult to reach. And that's one of the techniques that um, we have. Oh, Excellent. Excellent. Lauren?
3: Well, I guess I would say, you know, uh, in regards to vulnerable populations, or these are, you know, a lot of different categories. But in this instance, folks that can't just get in their truck and drive to their medical home um, or otherwise to get a vaccine or test. Uh, we've been working on this for a couple of years. And so just to give you a little bit of uh, info or idea what that looks like is we've been meeting uh, twice weekly, the we being public health nurses, with several community partners, including the city, South Financial Hospital, and all the medical homes. And what we're doing there is aligning our mission or vision. We have common goals to get vaccines and testing available for everyone who wants it when they want it. And so what it also feels like is Mary and I's telephone is blowing up in our pockets as we work with medical home nurses um, and executive directors to identify folks that need services but can't quite get there. And so we take it on a case-to-case basis. I guess one example is uh, hospital nurses outreach just recently and uh, notified us that there was a, a gal out East End Road that just couldn't make it to the vaccination site. Uh, so Mary and I rearranged our schedules and we're able to meet the woman in her home to give her a vaccine. Um, so, yeah, I guess one of the take homes I would I would like everyone to think about and spread is if you're having trouble getting access to vaccination or testing, uh, we'd really like to hear about it. Give us a call two three five eight eight five seven, And we'd love to work with our partners or continue working with them to find a solution. That's two, three, five, eight, eight, five, seven, the public health center. Thanks.
0: Oh, terrific. That's great to know. Uh, got a question here about the uh, national stockpile of masks that were uh, made available. I'm just wondering if uh, they're uh, they're around town yet available. Dorotha?
2: I think go, Lauren, do you want to take that one first?
3: Oh, I can try Dorothea. We're hearing that, sure, there's free N95 masks uh, provided through a federal program that will be available soon in Alaska, um, but also right now in some areas in Alaska. Um, Mary's texting me right now just mentioning that there's masks at the library, and there might be some soon at the chamber. Um, So I think the take-home there is that that program is just getting going. It's probably going to be a finite set of resources, and where they're available is likely to change. Uh, but from today's perspective, uh, look towards the library and perhaps towards the chamber.
0: Mm, okay, excellent. Uh, our number again, 235 Don't forget to dial the 907 these days uh, to give us a call and bring your, uh, bring your questions. Lauren, I'm looking at uh, the State of Alaska Epidemiology Bulletin that was uh, released yesterday about the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccine booster doses against Omicron. And uh, the upshot appears to be, and I I think this goes right along with what you've been saying all along, uh, was that people, uh, I'm just going to read it here. The results of this test negative case control analysis indicate that during the Omicron wave in Alaska, the odds of having symptomatic COVID-19 was nearly three times higher in persons who are eligible to receive a COVID-19 vaccine booster dose, but had not done so compared to persons who had received a booster dose. Three times, three times more likely. Uh, well, three times less likely if you do get a booster. Uh, that's a uh, That's some hardcore uh, inoculation there.
3: Yeah, that's big time. And that really demonstrates there's a perfect example of how this pandemic has and might continue to change drastically depending upon the variants um, that pop up across the globe and ultimately end up here in Alaska. And so, you know, when this Omicron uh, wave, wave four started, it was kind of a game changer uh, for us in the U.S., but also Alaska. And one of the big game-changers there was uh, Omicron has, you know, over 50 different mutations, and 30 of them have to do with that spike protein or these little pieces that stick out from each uh, virus of the SARS-CoV-2 particle itself. And the vaccines, in part, work with that spike in order to prevent infection, um, serious disease, and and death. Uh, So one of the major concerns that we had and kept close eye on was are these vaccines going to work with Omicron? And the interesting, unique thing that we found with it is the answer is yes, they continue to do a good job of preventing severe illness and death. However, the booster is incredibly important. Um, so if you're up to, if you've had the primary series, you're on the right track, but your key uh, to keeping yourself and others safe is getting that booster.
0: You know, and the uh, uh, monograph here goes on to talk about how. Uh, if you are boosted, uh, previously infected and boosted, uh, you have a 1.6 times uh, lower chance of getting COVID than somebody who had COVID previously. So you even get protection from a booster uh, even after infection, natural uh, temporary immunity. Our phone number, yeah, 907 Oh, go ahead. Yeah. 907
3: 7721 Sorry. Sorry, Jay. I was just going to mention, yeah, really complex uh, in it. And there's a lot of people out there that have had COVID or have COVID right now. Um, probably 50 to 60% of the population will get Omicron or more. You know, that's just a, a model or a best guess. And I guess I'm highlighting that because, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't care who you are. Um, it's infecting a lot of people. Um, so, would like to just push the, any kind of stigma away. Um, and if you are sick, uh, call out, reach out to your doctor and explore treatment op, uh, options. Um, and hope you feel better soon.
0: Hmm. Lauren, you're a you're a, a scientist. Let so I me. Mean, I describe. I explained to somebody the other day. I tried to explain. Uh, about these spike mutations or about mutations in general. I'm not a scientist, but I play one on the radio. No, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, evolution. It's survival of the fittest. These germs, these, uh, these COVID, uh, viruses are in your body and they are mutating left and right willy nilly. And the vast majority of them go nowhere. Some of them, you know, may kill, kill the virus mutation that kills the virus, but, sometimes a mutation uh, works better than the original. And that's how you get uh, uh, variants, right? It is just simply survival of the fittest germ in your body.
3: <laughs> Jay, I'm not certain that I have anything to add to that because you nailed it. That, that's totally correct. You know, uh, a virus is just a, a particular particle that needs a, a host or it needs a human or, or other, some animals. It needs that in order to live. Um, and it only lives for so long in a particular host. Um, and it's able to continue because it passes from one person to the next. And you've got it. I don't, I don't know that I could say it better. Each time that it's in a body and replicating, it has a um, 100 or a couple hundred mutations uh, in it. And it's so you're right, it's continually changing. But it's when there's a mutation of concern or a variant of concern, that's, that's when we really highlight it and pay very close attention to it. And what I mean by a variant of concern is that the mutation is particularly uh, advanced or better at transmitting from one person to the next or even to animals, or it does more damage than, than the previous ones. And we'll continue to watch that as the, the p-
0: pandemic keeps going. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a uh, caller on line one hi you're on the air
1: hi i had a question about the take-home testing kits
0: sure i was go wondering
1: ahead. if they've i was wondering if they have kind of adapted to the omicron or the um some of the changes in the the covid virus um i've seen a lot of individuals test negative, but then go to the testing center and test positive. Is there uh, any information on any new tests coming out to kind of go with the like the, the stealth version that's very hard to detect?
0: Uh, good question, Lauren.
3: That's such a good question, thank you. You know, uh, in, in a pandemic, a lot of things really haven't gone our way, um, but there's been a couple good ones so far. One is that vaccines work very good, especially mRNA vaccines, work very good at preventing um, serious disease, but also keeping people from dying. Um, But I guess I would say another great thing that has happened, you know, one thing in our favor as a community, um, in a state, in a country, is that our tests uh, pick up on Omicron. That's something that we were very uh, concerned about is what if Omicron um, isn't picked up by all of our tests? But however, to dig down a little bit deeper or start uncovering what that actually looks and feels like when you drive up to Capstone, which they're offering um, testing here at the public health center all this week from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., or the swap side up at the hospital, is that they're only as good as they are. So no testing um, platform or no test for COVID-19 is perfect. And so what we talk about in the words that we use, Mary, the public health nurse and I, is sensitivity and specificity. Said in plain uh, English is that sensitivity is a test ability to pop up positive when the virus is present. And so far, there's no test that's 100%, but it's pretty close. So a lot of those hover around 95 or more. So what's that mean is when you, uh, or the hospital or your doctor tests 100 people, um, five of those or so are gonna pop up uh, as negative or false negative so yeah very confusing a a lot of layers there but uh, the take-home is no test is uh, perfect but they do pretty darn good against Omicron
0: okay Uh, so if somebody somebody uh, I I read or heard I guess uh, let me ask you this uh, that home tests are better at detecting if you are positive than detecting if you're negative does that make sense
3: Oh, that makes sense to me. I'd say that they're pretty darn good um, at both of them. However, you got to read the instructions. Um, some of those tests, when you open up the box, or if they're frozen in your mailbox, you know, bring it inside, um, set it on the counter, don't open it for a couple hours. But then when you open it, step one after that is to read the instructions, because there might be two tests in there. If there are two tests, you need to take them both, and then uh, read the instructions to in- interpret the overall results. So, for example, if there's a negative, then there's a positive. You need to read the instructions there to, to tell you what that means. But I'll, I'll give you a hint. There's a, This is a spoiler. A positive is a positive. That means you got COVID-19 and you need to isolate for five
0: days. Even with a uh, home test, if it says positive, it's positive. You're, it's positive. Yeah, you got it. And if it's negative and you still feel bad, you should get uh, a test at uh, Capstone or uh, Bartlett Street.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. No fun being sick. Uh is shaking her head yes. Yeah, that's no fun. If you're sick, um, you can access testing. Um, but also, good, good idea to call your doctor. You know, from an epidemiologic or a PHM perspective, there's a ton of Omicron um, passing around. The entire state's red alert. So what that means for you as an individual when you're sitting there with a the negative test result in your hand, um, but you're having signs and symptoms, there's increased chance that it's Omicron. That's compared to, like, say, last June when activity in
0: Alaska for COVID nineteen was pretty low. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, another caller uh, on line one. Hi, you're on the air.
1: Thank you. Um, do do the uh, COVID tests that um, are being mailed to uh, citizens? Is there an expiration date on those tests? So if I ordered one, but I'm not sick right now, but I. I held on to the test, and then I wanted to, maybe I got exposed three or four or five months from now. Would that test, would would the testing kit have expired?
0: Good question. Lauren?
3: Such a great question. Um, You know, it used to be before, uh, in my experience, before um, COVID-19, before the pandemic, all medical supplies had an expiration date. Um, and why I'm saying that is, is because systems got a little bit more complicated during the pandemic. But um, to the best of my knowledge, all of the tests that are being accessed through COVIDtests.gov, that's C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S.gov, have an expiration date on the outside of the box. So you just keep turning that thing around in your, in your hands until you see an expiration date. And sometimes they're one to two years out from the time that you get them in your hands.
0: Oh, okay, excellent. Uh, I had a question here about uh, variants. We were talking about variants a little uh, little bit ago. Lauren, do you know if there have been any trackable cases of the uh, Bravo Alpha.2 variant, BA2?
3: You know, I'm not up to date on that, um, but I do know that, uh, that the Omicron variant is accounting for 98.3% right now in, in our state. So that's what we're seeing most of. So the proportion of all cases that are being reported, uh, we're sequencing all of them, and they're almost all Omicron right now. And I don't have any updates for those any of those other ones that may be emerging.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, we have uh, wow, we have two callers. Uh, hi, line one, you're on the air. Hey, yeah, is this me? It is you. Okay, uh, the last caller I believe said something about the stealth or the B two uh, variant could not be detected by the tests. I don't believe that's correct. It cannot be distinguished from the B one. It has to be sequenced. Uh, Lauren just said that all of the tests are being sequenced now, so that means that if a B2 shows up, it will be determined that it was. And uh, I heard yesterday that there was at least one B2 that had been de- ter- detected in Alaska. Oh. oh, thanks for that info. Lauren?
3: You know, that could be true. I can't verify it, but it's not surprising to me because during the pandemic, like no other time, uh, I have friends and family that know information before, before I do. And that's because uh, there's information available everywhere, and oftentimes I hear um, things first from, from friends. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for the call. That's very it. That's- mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just get off and let
0: somebody else go on. All righty. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Uh, somebody uh, uh, texted me uh, uh, to follow up on something I said. They they uh, want to know why uh, variants arise in the in the body. Uh, you know, when I was giving you my spiel that I gave to my friend. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but as uh, DNA replicates, sometimes there are mistakes. Quite often, there are mistakes in the rebuilding of the DNA molecule. Uh, That's the spirally ladder thing you see on TV all the time. And uh, when those things are mismatched, when they make new ones, you get mutations and you get uh, variants. And uh, like Lauren said, you know, there are hundreds of variants. Most of them are uh, uh, innocuous. Is that right? Innocuous. Yeah. So did I get that part right too, Lauren?
3: Boy, I'm not a microbiologist, but I've had a little bit of microbiology and public health biology, and that sounds pretty good to me. You know, when I think about uh, the virus, when someone coughs or sneezes and it floats around, and someone breathes it in, um, the respiratory cells are of the human respiratory system are one of the first targets that the uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus um, has contact with, and so those spikes reach out and they grab a human cell and they open up or perforate, stick a hole in that human cell, and they, they use the spikes to, to pull that uh, virus cell uh, into the human cell. And after the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus enters the human cell, it starts using the human cell machinery in order to reproduce. And it's during that reproduction process that a lot of these mutations pop up. And then when it's done kind of doing its deal, Uh, and it's done damaging the human cell, and then it emits all these new uh, SARS-CoV-2 viruses that continue to go out into the human body, entering other human cells and replicating, and then when you cough, uh, that new person coughs, and then that's how it's passed on from person to person to person.
0: Mm -hmm. So ostensibly, the virus just wants to replicate itself, uh, but in the process, sometimes it Mutates uh, just natural natural selection mutates right.
3: Ooh, the one correction that's good. The one correction I would say is that it mutates all the time. So every time that it replicates, there there's a hundred or two hundred mutations. Um, so that's a natural process or an occurrence that we would expect. Um, but it's when one pops up that's uh, particularly successful and transmitting uh, even more effectively or doing even more damage. Then that's what we call a variant of concern like Omicron, and then we'll pay particular attention to it because we'll anticipate that it will, as Omicron has, uh, become the most uh, predominant um, variant of concern or virus in a particular state. And so that's what makes us talk about and ask these good questions like the callers, well, do the vaccines work, do the tests work? And so that's kind of the the chain of events and preventing um, the pandemic from continuing. But really... Um, preventing uh, additional stress on the healthcare system so we can continue to provide needed healthcare services for COVID,
0: but also non-COVID needs. hmm Excellent. Well, we have no more uh, phone callers on the line, uh, and I think I'm out of questions uh, at the moment. Uh, Dorotha, do you have any uh, last words for us uh, to uh, send us off to the uh, weekend?
2: Um, I guess just um, that... Things, maybe you're looking a little better right now, but please be patient with um, all of our community resources, whether it's the grocery store or the takeout restaurant or the medical clinics. um, Folks still have a lot of staff absences right now. And so um, just not being in a hurry and um, being understanding when um, services might take um, a little longer. Our number of employees out um, related to covid um, is drastically declining. And um, I it looks like by next week, we'll be at a normal staffing level. So, um, and I'll assume that the rest of the community is at, at a similar level. So just being patient as we work through the weekend.
0: Oh, that's terrific to hear, terrific to hear. Uh, Lauren, I uh, follow-up question about, uh, you're talking about variants and such. Uh, uh, do you have any idea uh, of the trend of uh Variants. I mean, we know that diseases naturally uh, die off uh, over time. Uh, usually, well, flus. I guess. I, yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm not going to try to explain medicine to a professional here. What's the, <laughs> what's the, what's the uh, outlook uh, with variants? Are we looking at a? Uh, potential for worse variants, you know, something that is as deadly as the Delta, but as infectious as the Omicron? Or can we maybe expect uh, this to peter off?
3: That's a great question. And we're sitting here wondering the same thing. I guess the best answer is we don't know. And we don't know because we can't really predict the future with any accuracy at all. And so when we look backwards into time and say, if you look at one of those tables that that outlines um, reported cases, um, you'll see these four different uh, ways. So each one of those ways is uh, associated with a variant of concern or the most common virus um, and all the others that are um, passing around uh, the state or the country or other countries. Um, So if we look back in time, we've had four uh, separate distinct ways of activity of COVID. Um, So looking forward, Can we expect more? I don't think anyone knows, but uh, experts at this point, scientists uh, and epidemiologists, are expecting that Omicron could have some impact on the future, but it's looking like there will be more COVID activity after Omicron.
0: Hmm. Okay. Lauren, do you have any last words for us? Oh, I'm sorry, Dorothe, got your hand up again.
2: Um, I have some breaking news. Um, the swab site just called me. The test and vaccine clinic just called and said that they just opened their final remaining vial of the Janssen or the Janssen vaccine. That's the one manufactured by Johnson and Johnson. It's the what was traditionally known as the the one dose. Um, however, the recommendations, the recent recommendations from CDC is to follow up that one dose vaccine at two months or beyond with your booster. So your booster is um, encouraged on the Janssen um, a little earlier than the um, Pfizer and Moderna um, vaccines. But anyway, um, we just opened our last file of that. And to the best of our knowledge there, um, we are not expecting any more of that in the near future. So if you were thinking of getting the J&J Janssen uh, vaccine, um, it is limited supply right now at the vaccine and test clinic.
0: Okay, and so uh, if anybody gets that uh, and then later wants a booster, they're looking at an mRNA booster then.
2: Um, not 100% certain on that. I do know that the state makes sure, they, they do try to make sure that boosters are available for folks, so I'll have to research um, the accessing um, that as well. I do know also that the state was recommending, uh, not recommending, but... Um, um, Proving mix and match boosters, and um, so some folks who got the J and J original vaccine were choosing to boost with one of the MRNAs.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent, Lauren.
3: Oh, I guess uh, I would just say um, that you know, getting COVID um, might be a learning experience. Uh, give us a call and/or call your provider if you have any. Uh, comments or questions, check in your, with your provider to explore treatment options. Um, but also we're, we're seeing overall that uh, Omicron is not producing. A It's a lot of folks are having more mild signs and symptoms. Uh, so getting COVID, you know, might be a good opportunity to rewatch uh, your favorite movies at home. And so I guess I, I, I would just say snows coming down. We'll get more light. Sunset at 530. Maybe a good time to get outside and have fun. Thanks.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you, Lauren Carroll and Dorothea Ferraro, uh, for joining me today here on the COVID Brief. Also to uh, Peggy Erkineff at um, uh, the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. I'm Jay Barrett, and uh, that has uh, been the COVID Brief. I want to thank our callers, and I want to thank you for listening, and Josh Crone and Simon Lopez back at the station. Uh, You're listening to Public Radio, KBBI AM 890. Homer, let's go back to the studio.